Are you looking forward to the first full role-focused episode of this roll call season? Are you trying to be more patient-centered in your team? Are you trying to bring your patients into being part of their own primary care team? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. Patients are the end users of healthcare. And so it's so valuable when everyone collaborates. There's that synergy that's gained in the care, the continuity is gained. And the end result is the best outcome possible for the patient. That's what the patient wants and needs, that team focus. Marilyn Parker is a patient advocate who's engaged in research in BC. Having patient engagement in the full spectrum of primary care, from planning to delivery of care to continuous improvement, is really important. Yeah, Sarah, in primary care, I mean, everything revolves around our care relationships with our patients. And so I'm glad that you planned this season to start off with patients in the center. And you know, it's funny, my my default was actually to start with physicians. And then I was like, no, you know, we should start with patients. Patients really do have this central role. You know, when we think about the roles we're familiar with, nearly all of us are also patients at some point. And the role of a patient goes beyond just receiving care that's being provided. That's so true. You know, as patients, we also have to follow through on whatever the prescribed treatments are and do the self-management work of care. And beyond that, we have to advocate for the care that we do get. And we work with primary care providers and team members to kind of continuously improve care, give feedback. There's lots of times when we're navigating the system ourselves, trying to figure out where to go. And, you know, patients are really experts in their own care needs. And... As patients become experts, they start to educate new healthcare providers. So for this season, we had the opportunity to go out and connect with several amazing patient advocates to really gather their perspectives on the role of patients in primary care teams. I try and make a point not to be like a special interest patient, for lack of a better term, but I want to be able to rely on that knowledge and that understanding. And if push comes to shove, I can say, yes, I was a caregiver for three years. I know exactly what it's like and get into the gory detail. But I try not to do that because that's not why I'm there. I'm there for the the bigger, broader interest of the community. So that was Leighton Ingwar. You're going to hear from him a few times in this episode. Leighton sits on a number of different tables, both locally in his community and provincially. And he does an excellent job of highlighting the importance of patient, and also the caregiver's engagement in care. And I love the way Leighton is so engaged in the work that he does. We're also going to hear a lot of this from Carolyn Canfield, our own ISU scholar and patient disruptor. Having the patient as part of the primary care team is also having compassion for the importance of the services of that team, focusing on that person, and ensuring that as a team member, Efficiency of team operations doesn't overcome the purpose of primary care. I love how in all of our conversations, Carolyn always centers back on the patient, bringing that consideration of how that transition of primary care to team-based care needs to be communicated with patients. 
you know, it is a challenge because we're dealing with a mindset in the public of my doctor, single. <laughs> this is not a plural concept. I have a family doctor. I don't have a family doctor. The idea of having a team can feel like diluting the care, the quality of care. So I think as we introduce team-based care, it's really important for the communication to be crafted around each patient, each person. And here I totally agree with Carolyn. We need to be able to talk with our patients as we expand our teams so that patients know the unique value of each team member. And of course, care providers, we need to know that value so we can explain it. And that way patients know why engaging with other team members will improve their care. So in this episode, we're going to dive into aspects of the patient's role in primary care teams. And let me tell you, we had so many great conversations that cutting everything down and figuring out what to include was tough. Sarah, you've covered a lot of ground with all these different interviews. So set us up for this episode. So we're going to talk about three things. First, we're going to talk about patients' involvement in care and in planning. Then we're really going to think about patients' involvement in supporting the system through education, research and advocacy. We're going to wrap up thinking about how to best support patients in a shift of primary care to team-based care. And Morgan, when I think about the roles of patients in the team, you know, I, I started with a much less active or engaged role in my head. I'm not a provider, right? I'm, a, I'm an anthropologist. It's really easy to keep defaulting back to the idea of patients as receiver of care. Yeah, I think it is. And even when we start thinking about being patient-centered, that can start to mean just deciding what's best for the patient, which, again, is still that very traditional hierarchical relationship. And I think that we can do different when, when we're talking with patients as partners in their team. And I'm really interested in thinking about what it means to have patients as partners. A common theme that kind of emerged from our discussion with patients is the role of patients as experts in their own care. And I had a wonderful conversation with Darren Lucher, a patient expert advocate an activist. And historically, if we look at patient engagement in health and research, so much groundbreaking work happened in the HIV world. And this is where Darren was coming from. He was sitting in a waiting room waiting to see a specialist and overheard a heated conversation between a specialist and another patient. And the specialist's response was, I'm just trying to save your life. This is all we have. And if you want to live, this is how you have to do it. And it was out the door, slam. And I get it. Sometimes our relationships are tough. They're not all beds of roses and cherries. Sometimes they're pits and lemons. But you have to figure out how can I go forward when I don't have a lot of options. And so it's about understanding its collaboration, respect. It goes a long way. They're the expert, but you're also an expert. And so it's about merging viewpoints to have a shared common goal. Learning, that was a big aha moment, to go like, you have to collaborate. This kind of collaboration is key. Without the patient's collaboration and care in the team, it's not going to work so well. And you know, for this season of Team Up, we had the opportunity to finally go out and talk to providers from a whole range of disciplines. And this central theme of recognizing the different kinds of expertise held across teams was something that we kept hearing. So any of our interactions between pharmacist and patient is really that meeting of experts to find a middle ground or a common ground that can work. So I often use the term expert patient because our patients are the experts on themselves and nobody else is. Patients really become experts in their own care. 
And this is particularly true for engaged people with chronic illnesses and a long history. Over the years, I've learned a lot from my own patients about them and about the conditions that they have. As a patient myself, I've also taught my providers a thing or two about my condition. What we heard from patients as we spoke to them wasn't just this idea of the patient is expert in their own care, but also that really important ability of patients to extend that role to include patient support more broadly and how important it is for patients to have support when they're working on navigating a complex system. And one of the essential elements that I don't have and that I'm so conscious of needing is a family member, a friend, a person to accompany you to appointments, a person who is intimately familiar with what your health concerns are, has a pretty good idea of what your values are, who can be that lower adrenaline person in the appointment who actually is able to absorb the information. And the point Carolyn makes here is is well taken. Patients have to be informed. To do that, they have to take in a lot of information, and that can be hard, particularly if they're in an overwhelmed moment, like when they're unwell or dealing with a tough diagnosis. And it's so easy to have that kind of sense of overwhelm when you're knowing that you're having an important conversation, you're not able to listen. And Carolyn really described this so well to me. She described walking out of an appointment and having lists in her head, thinking, what was I supposed to do? She was alone in that appointment, and having someone with her would have been really valuable. Yeah, so having that help to navigate and advocate is needed for many of us at different times. And sometimes that can be a formal team member. I think we're going to get into that in another episode. More often, in particular today, it's a family member or knowledgeable friend. For friends and things like that, I have been an advocate. And I have pushed things when a caregiver has to be there and listen and has to be there to ask questions because the person that's receiving the care is just overwhelmed with what's taking place. Now, not everybody has someone like Leighton or Carolyn that they can turn to. And when people don't come in with that extra support, it can be really hard. So having some extra capacity in the team to help as a navigator for patients who need that can be incredibly valuable. The navigator doesn't have to be a healthcare professional. It can be a peer. And bringing in patients as peers can be a very effective way of improving primary care. And Sarah, I know you love thing about building up capacity in primary care. I do. I, I love this question of how to enhance adaptive capacity and to support primary care at multiple levels, team, community, system. And it's really what gets me excited. The second season of the Team Up podcast focused on these tangible ideas of what could be done to support system resilience. So I'd encourage people to kind of loop back and check that out if you haven't already. It may seem to a primary care physician that teamwork is all on their shoulders, but I'll tell you that people who have skin in the game, quite literally, are the patients. So the quality of connectivity and continuity and completeness it has to be most vivid for the patient. So when we're, we're building primary care teams, seeing the patient need as the thread that ties everyone together. And I love this idea that Carolyn has here, you know, the patient as the thread that ties everything together. She just has such a great way of framing things. So patients are clearly directly engaged in care, but it's important to remember that this engagement also extends to planning. I'm biased, but community health centers do this well. And they're often built around a patient-centered planning process for the community. CHCs generally will grow out of a community-identified need. 
and over time respond to the changing needs of the community and the people that they serve. In fact, many CHCs have patient-run boards and absolutely have patients on the board. And so this way, at the highest level, the needs are right there from the community, which is great. And perhaps that's why CHCs can be so responsive to local need. Well, yeah, Morgan, and I, I think that, you know, that direct line into the needs of the community is really what allows CHCs to add so much value and model the kind of, you know, wraparound, community-based, team-based primary care that we're striving for here, which is getting me excited about a future episode on models of care mm-hmm. as I'm thinking about this. But now I'd kind of like to pivot our conversation a bit to talk about patient roles in supporting the system, specifically in advocacy, research, and kind of system planning. As the PCN was evolving, nobody was happy with the original terms of reference. And I was probably a proponent of not being happy with it because the patient's role wasn't there. The bottom line was, this isn't working too well. We've got a lot of questions. People are feeling unheard. And I said, we should get somebody in to look at governance. So my persistence and insistence gave way to a governance review. And Leighton really makes sure this engagement happens at every table. He really helps the groups he's engaged with return to a patient-centered focus. And it can be hard to be a patient in a room full of providers and policymakers, decision makers. To, to be comfortable to jump into that space is really something. But the challenge is you need to have somebody like Leighton, somebody who can step into that advocacy role at a system level to really talk about the need to support patient-centered planning in a way that people can listen to and act from. And, you know, the idea of patient-centered care has been around for a long time, but there are so many aspects of the system that aren't patient-centered. Yeah. And and we need to think more about system-level changes that are needed. So it's not just making sure that people have buddies to help them, like we've been talking about, but that are other changes in the system to support people. There's a quote that I use quite often from the National Health System, something to the effect that the health system is composed of many caring and dedicated individuals, but the system as a whole just doesn't understand or look after the patient. And that's where a lot of the patients in this group focus on, trying to get the system to recognize the patient. And the system, unfortunately, is not really open to that kind of participation. And I think what we have to do is find a way that patients can be accepted and participate in an equal way in a meaningful way and get away from them being advisors or a token on a tick-off list. Leighton is right. We need to move away from the checkbox approach to patient engagement. The system isn't necessarily open to the kinds of patient participation that, that are really needed. But I think when you step back and ask, how do you change a complex system? Part of this has to come down to engaging with learners and using education as a leverage point. I've been teaching for long enough now that people that I've taught are now well-established, and patients are some of the most memorable teachers. Mm -hmm. And I often think the best thing I've done as a teacher is to get the right patients and have students see the right patients. Patients are central to how our training system works. And both Carolyn and Darren are educators. They teach in the classroom and in the clinics where they're receiving care. My primary care provider, it's a teaching environment. So I regularly cycle through the primary physician, the family physician, because it's a new resident every six to eight months or so. And it is up to me 
to create the continuity, to provide the background. Yes, of course, the resident has my chart and can see my last few appointments. And what I do have a real affection for the students, the learners, know how excited they are about actually being able to practice. Getting a patient in front of the class is huge. Having sat on a number of panels talking to med students or interprofessional mixes of students is always amazing because you will see in the eyes of some of the students as they have the aha moment. And they're like, now I understand, I get this. Or you've told your story and your story has affected somebody so profoundly they're in tears in the audience. And you're like, oh, didn't mean to do that, but is this going to make them a better provider at the end of the day? Because they connected with my story to something that's happened in their life and they can understand it. The patient role as an educator is something that I think can get overlooked. We talked about patient engagement and care, the role of the patient as expert, as a navigator, as a supporter. We also talked about how patients can be engaged in advocacy. And I really think a great way to close this loop is to shift back to the action-oriented focus that we like. So let's talk about how to best support patients in the shift to team-based care. I think that's important. A key piece is getting information to people, to patients, about how the primary care system works and how the primary care team works. And there's a real need for open communication, both about the current state and about the planned changes that'll help patients. And if patients understand both the gaps and the glue that's needed, they can be more proactive in their care. It is the patient who connects the pieces. It's the patient who is the continuity among all those team members. For the patient, it is a team. It has to be a team. That's the only way it works. It's the patient who knows both the doctor and the pharmacist. The pharmacist doesn't know that particular doctor, and that particular doctor does not know that particular pharmacist. I love this idea from Carolyn that the patient connects the team by holding relationships. Here I go again, bringing everything back to relationships. I totally agree. Relationships are important. And I think it shouldn't be just the patient that holds the relationships across their circle of care. The relationships across the team members, the pharmacist and the physician, etc. Wouldn't it be really cool if that was also happening? And for that to happen, you need to create these opportunities for teams to work together on how they want to work together and build those yeah. relationships, right? You're right. Yeah, it absolutely. shouldn't be it shouldn't be all on the patient to hold the relationships. I think that's yeah. that's a that's a really good distinction. And it often is today yeah. that that I don't know that pharmacist, but when I do know the pharmacist and Jim and I chat, it's a stronger care process for the patients. Well, and there's so much value in knowing people, right? And getting that sense mm -hmm. when you walk into a place, the first person you see walking into a clinic is is often the MOA. It's not surprising to me that in kind of a lot of our conversations with different team members, the role of the MOA as this key relationship cornerstone kept coming up again and again. The way I see the team is, first of all, the medical office assistant. She knows me by name. She's always got a happy tone in her voice. She works miracles. <laughs> I feel that she's my advocate within the healthcare team. And if I have a in-person appointment, she, again, greets me warmly and obviously respects who I am and sees me as an individual. 
And, and that's really important. That direct connection to patients is key, and MOAs have a huge role on that. But other team members can do it too. Carmela is a kinesiologist in primary care, one of very few. Mm-hmm. And we got to speak with her. She spoke about the importance of connecting with patients to build trust as well. I really like the aspect of team-based care because different personalities resonate with different personalities. The patient has all the information we need to help them be successful because they know their lives the best. And it's just a matter of when they're comfortable sharing that and who they're comfortable sharing with. Building off this idea of open communication to really support the development of relationships, I also think there's a real need to clearly communicate the whole idea of transformation to team-based care to patients. It is very easy for a patient to hear medical doctors say, from here on, it just makes sense for you to be seeing the physiotherapist as the primary contact with our team. Be assured we're all going to be talking to each other. This is great. The information's shared. You'll probably get appointments more easily with them than with me. It's really easy for the patient to think, I'm being tossed. So it's a change, this shift from I have a doctor to I have a team. It came up even just this morning in a meeting for a project called Our Care that we want to talk about what people thought about primary care. And there was some pushback that say people don't know what primary care is. They know what a family doctor or what a nurse practitioner is, but they don't know what primary care is. Right. And part of that reason for that is we aren't seeing this much in the public communications yet. I think that's something that we hope to be able to support through teambasedcarebc.ca. And a lot of the work that, that we're engaged with that's happening through kind of BC's team-based care advisory as well and, and in the team-up kind of community of practice that we're creating here, it really is mm-hmm. a gap. And I think that gap can be filled both with more formal communication that within the team, how we talk about team members, but also across peer networks of patients to help others understand primary care, what it is and how it works. So connecting me up to patients who feel comfortable talking about their condition, who would like to share with other patients, what's it like living with, whether it's high blood pressure or cataracts or whatever, it's having a a bit of insight into what's ahead for me or what are some of the consequences that maybe I haven't thought about. It's a great cost savings, of course, to the health system to have Mm -hmm. patients sharing their experiential knowledge. There really is a learning curve to any kind of transformation with the understanding that patients are team members and this new sort of way of delivering primary care is different, there's also gonna be a need to spend some time and effort as a team learning how to best engage with patients in team-based care. And we agree that the patients are central in primary care teams. And as primary care in BC continues this journey towards team-based care, there's some teams, of course, that are working better than others. And Darren highlighted this to really see some of those key differences. There are some teams that are highly functional. Everybody understands their roles. They understand the endpoint, the goal of what we're trying to accomplish or research. And then there's other teams where some of the players are new to the process and don't understand their role yet. And really, Morgan, the importance of role clarity in teams. It's kind of the motivation for this whole season. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I know that we're both going to learn a ton going forward, and I hope that everybody listening will as well. So today we've talked about the patient role on the team, and we've really covered a lot. Yeah, we've talked about patients' involvement in direct care and planning, with patients as experts, navigators, and supporters. We also talked about patients involved in supporting the system through engagement in education and research and advocacy. 
And then we've just sort of looped back at the end here and chatted about being patient-centered and, and how best to communicate this shift in primary care to more of a team-based primary care model. Going back to the idea of bread and roses that we first introduced in episode one, the efficiency side of how to address the primary care crisis in the role of the patient needs to be part of that. But for the patient to be able to fulfill their role in a team, the relationship piece, that trust, really has to be there as well. So here's our kind of calls to action for today. First, think about how the transformation to team-based care is being communicated to the public and to the patients you work with. Try using team language whenever possible. And then create opportunities for connecting and learning across the team. And do that in a way that includes patients. So that can be just, I've talked about it before, the warm handoff. One of those very simple things that you can do is not just say how wonderful your other team member is, but ask a question that they can answer. So ask a nurse how they would approach something and get an answer. So you're learning along with the patient about the value of your team member. And then you can think about patient networks as well within your practice. Our last suggestion here is to really think about how you ask for feedback and what you can do to create trust and build relationships to support meaningful patient participation. Something you know, really simple, like asking patients how their visit's been so far, if there's anything that could be improved for next time. That can be a great start. And that's also a very clever segue, asking for feedback from the audience. It'd be great if we could hear from you to get some ideas about things you'd want to cover in this season around roles. And we'll definitely do our best to incorporate those, any comments you have into future episodes. Great. So we'll be doing one of these episodes every week and we look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.